This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. China whispers about exascale prototype. And U.S. DOE frets about supercomputing cuts. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, we got governments going in apparently opposite directions when it comes to how we're looking at planned supercomputing expenditures. Let's start with... The Chinese story, and you've cobbled together from a, from some news sources what you were able to find um, about uh, possibilities of a Chinese exascale prototype system coming in this year. Right, there was a actually a very brief report in the Xinhua news uh, news publication about one of the application engineers at the National Supercomputing Center in Tianjin talking about a prototype exascale system said we're going to have a prototype exascale system sometime in 2017 that's this year um, a lot of media outlets picked up on that and sort of inflated that into thinking that there's going to be something close very close to an exascale system this year but that's not likely the case at all the china like us has a lot of pre-exascale systems in the pipeline or at least a few and is probably going to put out one this year and the most likely one that seemed like it was due to be deployed this year was the the one we've talked about in the past, Tianha 2A. This is the, the right. follow-on system to the Tianha 2 system, uh, which is the, currently the uh, the number two system on the list. That's 55 petaflop systems, and they that was the one where they were to get uh, the Knight's landing ships way back when uh, until they got the uh, the U.S. embargo slapped on them, and then. And that all of a sudden that went away because their their plan to upgrade that system to 100 petaflops disappeared. But now in 2017, it looks like they've reconnoitered or they're, they've talked about it a lot and they're going to reconnoiter. And probably that's the system they're talking about as the prototype to be deployed this year. That's exactly right. We were looking at that Tianha 2A system, and and as you said, it was going to be Knight's Landing uh, chips, the Intel Xeon Phi chips from Intel, until they ran into an export limitation on those processors. Now, uh, you know, how that that uh, that embargo came to be is is neither here nor there. That's past news. Although we could dig up the link to a past podcast where we talked about that because it had a major impact. But what it really looks like the the long term effect in the short term it it delayed that system. But in the long term, it did exactly what we said it was going to do, which is further the Chinese plans to uh, move along the development of their own domestic processor lines, and it looks like they're really investing in those for these exascale prototypes. Yeah, and they're they're doing it on a, on a rather accelerated basis. I mean, we've talked a lot about Tiahu Light, the number one system on the top 500 list. That was done with the domestic processor, the Shenwei processor. That's currently at the top of the list. But the Tianha 2A system had to basically switch horses there because they they weren't going to have the Knight's Landing chip. So what they're going to use, and this is public information that was actually disclosed at ISC a couple of years ago, they're going to have the Matrix 2000, uh, what they call general purpose DSPs, to be the accelerator in that system. Um, and they've been planning those for a while. And they they were thinking they might even be able to deploy the Tanha 2A last year, which 
did not happen for whatever reason. Now at the time, that accelerator was just going to be basically a replacement for the the Xeon Phi systems. They were thinking they would keep the Xeon E5 uh, processors that were part of the original Tanha 2 system and then just sort of slip into the domestically produced DSP accelerators. But uh, from what I could determine, I think there's a, actually a good chance they'll ditch the Xeons altogether and go with the Chinese-built Phytium chips. Those are ARM uh, licensed chips that uh, use the typical 64-bit ARM design. And uh, Phytium is something that uh, the Chinese have been working on for a while. They, they released some information about them last year at Hot Chips. And that's, uh, it sounds like a pretty a pretty big server processor. It's, I think it's something like 512 gigaflops per chip, which is, you know, it's the top of the line uh, chip performance wise. And it would make a lot of sense for that chip to be the other part, uh, the host part of this accelerator. And um, I think that that would get them to their six teraflop per node level pretty easily as well. So that seems to make sense to me. And I, I think that's a, a likely possibility that we're going to see that configuration. And the 10 2A in 2017. Yeah, I think you're right with that, that, you know, you get these Phytium ARM processors in there, and this is now more ARM news on top of the European-based ARM news we talked about last week in HPC right. with uh, uh, with Mont Blanc and with the uh, universities in uh, the UK. There was a lot of ARM news there, and then use the DSPs to accelerate them. If I have a surprise in all of this, it's, you know, where's open power in this discussion? Uh, you know, if you go back to that embargo time when the when Intel was getting frozen out, a big thing I thought might happen was you'd start seeing open power licenses uh, available to these Chinese vendors, and you'd see a Chinese supercomputer based on open power. I, that, that has not been materializing. That surprises me. Yeah, and that could have certainly been the case because, as we remember, a lot of the uh, Chinese server makers like Tian and, and a few others picked up ARM licenses, and they could have been the basis for a, uh, a open power, power-based system with or without accelerators. Right, but, they picked up open power licenses, you mean? Yeah, open power licenses. So they they could have had they could have fairly easily gone that that uh, in that trajectory and picked up uh, either pure open power design or one with uh, an accelerator of one sort or another, especially now that they have the, or they will soon have the Matrix 2000 DSPs. So that is a little surprise, but also surprised that no other country has picked up an open power design at this point in talking about their exascale or pre-exascale systems, with the exception of the U.S. Of course, the Coral systems, there's two of those systems that are based on power and NVIDIA uh, servers, and those will likely make it all the way to exascale in some form. But uh, besides the U.S., no other country has, has gone the open power uh, path for, for their exascale at this point, at least. Well, and let's talk about those coral systems here, because on the one hand, we're talking about China. That was our first story. And whether or not they got slowed down by the embargo on the uh, not on Intel Xeon Phi specifically, but on U.S. chip technology and as a general category that Intel Xeon Phi fell into that couldn't be exported. Whether or not they got slowed down for, by that, they seem to now be back up to full speed and and really charging ahead toward exascale. Where they this seems to me at this point to be the closest 
or, or at least the farthest ahead on the path to exascale. The U.S. conversely, we were just talking about coral. Now we're starting uh, in the first weeks looking at what effect the Trump administration is going to have. And one of the theories that we'd started with is that uh, the Trump administration would like to see less spending in areas of uh, federal general scientific research in areas like, uh, you know, NOAA, of course, for something like climate research, but specifically the DOE in this case, which funds a lot of U.S. supercomputing research. And now... Uh, we're seeing this week in HPC that might be a well-founded fear, and the DOE is starting to fret that they might see some significant budget cuts uh, this this fiscal year. Yeah, I mean, some of this is based basically on a, on a single report uh, in the Hill that talked to some uh, Trump staffers as the, the Trump administration was transitioning to its its current role. And I, and I should probably read the exact wording that the report says. It says that the Department of Energy it would roll back funding for nuclear physics and advanced scientific computing research to 2008 levels and then eliminate uh, a couple of the minor pro or a couple of the programs or three of the programs within it that uh, don't have anything to do with supercomputing. But certainly funding for nuclear physics and advanced scientific computing research, uh, in the latter they're talking about uh, ASCAR, the, the mission that uh, basically funds a lot of the the non-NNSA supercomputers and does all that work uh, that we're that we're very familiar with, and that would be uh, a huge cut for that program since the 2008 levels are essentially half of what the 2016 levels were. So you're talking about cutting back from over 600 million a year back to a little over 300 million a year, uh, which would uh, defund certainly a lot of the work being done there, especially as I wrote about in the article, the, the exascale work that was being done under the ECP. Yeah, you mentioned uh, ASCAR in your article at top500.org. That's the Advanced Scientific Computing Research, ASCR, ASCAR program. That's in the Office of Science under the DOE. And you also point out quite accurately, as it relates to coral and other things that we've been talking about regarding exascale, that in 2008, we didn't have an exascale computing program. Now, we were on the path to petascale. You could just roll it back, and you might point out that there were other government-based types of initiatives in supercomputing back then. But, you know, I was thinking back to 2008. I'm old enough in this industry that I can remember 2008. And one big difference in U.S. federal spending for high-performance computing or supercomputing in 2008 was in as much as the DOE labs were still a big deal in 2008, uh, also a big deal then would have been a lot of the DOD labs through the major shared resource centers, the MSRCs. And there were six of them then, uh, if you had Army Research Labs, the Army Corps of Engineers, or URDIC, Wright-Patterson uh, Air Force Base, Naval Research Labs, and then the two others that weren't affiliated directly with branches of the military, the Arctic Supercomputer Center and the Maui High Performance Computing Center, both of which have, have mostly fallen away. Arctic entirely in, in Maui is is much smaller than it, than it ever used to be. Um, and and the other thing that the government had then when we were looking forward to the future of supercomputing was the High Productivity Computing Systems uh, Program, HPCS. Now, that was under DARPA, which is DOD money, uh, not DOE money. So although you know we did have a lot of these programs then 
in 2008, a lot of the federal spending in the U.S. for high-performance computing, not all of it, DOE still got a lot, but uh, uh, there was a big chunk of it in in DOD that you're looking at, you know, that's not there anymore either. DOE has really taken primacy in that in yeah. recent years. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the Petascale run-up, it was, it was DOD sort of leading the way to a much greater extent. And now DOD has, has receded in, that, in the R&D version of this and as DOE has taken over. And, and we shouldn't just talk about the exascale systems themselves. I mean, ECP is, is running now to hopefully the, the end of the decade and beyond. But it's the pre-exascale systems as well that are that are probably in jeopardy if they cut that funding in half. I mean, we're talking about the coral systems, uh, the, the Summit and Sierra systems, two of them. I, I think that was a $325 million contract. I think Aurora, the, the Intel Cray system, was uh, something on the order of $200 million. Now you're talking about $500 million. Uh, some of that is being shared with NSA. It's not all uh, ASCR money, but even considering that even if let's say none none of the NNSA was cut at all and that's that's not a a given that's still a lot of money to make up i mean that's 500 million and you're talking about you know basically with a, a an advanced computing budget of something like 300 million how how, how are they going to be able to ante up money to put in to even fulfill those contracts that they promised that they're going to go into effect at the end of this year and and 2000 18 and 2019 and onwards that that seems like something's going to have to give there now we should say this budget this is sort of a rumor that's being cobbled together uh within the trump transition they're going to actually put out a document supposedly in the next month and a half and propose this budget to to congress and And none, none of it's happened. None of it's none happened, of it happened yet. But you know, so there's wild cards. What's the administration really going to do? And especially, what's it going to do with Rick Perry in right. charge of DOE? And that's another big wild card because he's kind of been on both sides of this. Right. I mean, that's that's the, another ironic piece of this. Uh, something I didn't discuss in the write. But Rick Perry is probably going to be confirmed as the Department of Energy Secretary um, and head that. That agency, and remember, he was the guy when he was running for president uh, five years ago. He wanted to get rid of the DOE in its entirety. I mean, that was right. one of the big things. Although when he when he was talking about, it, he couldn't quite come up with the name of the agency. Right, he he forgot the name of the agency <laughs> he wanted to get rid of famously in the debate. Then remembered it. That's right. It was the DOE I was going to get rid of. So, you know, <laughs> but now he says he's changed his mind on that. Yeah. Right? You know, as right. he's as he's waiting to be confirmed as secretary of the DOE. So that that, as you point out, is a big wild card in all of this. We we really don't know exactly how all this is going to play out but for now the rumors are more negative than positive yeah if, if i was working for the doe or if i was anyway associated with any of these programs uh, or at either end of it or a stakeholder it, it would be very worrisome what was happening here i mean you've got you know broad-based uh support or at least you had broad-based support for these programs with both republicans and democrats in congress fund these things but these these aren't normal times in the u.s if if nobody's noticed so i think anything could happen at this point although my personal opinion i think it would be tough for congress to defund any of this This, these are high profile programs in many respects not the least of which is that you know we're in competition on a global basis with with china and other countries to keep our 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 supercomputing uh edge 
uh, I think it would be a, a, a tough sell to many uh, constituencies across this, this country that has a stake in this to actually defund such prominent programs that uh, seem to have, you know, fairly good support across the spectrum. But you don't know. And it, it, to even have an administration sort of talk about defunding something to this extent uh, should, should be concerning for everyone involved. Well, and especially next to the other news reports that we have. And one thing that we know is that, you know, seeing advancement in other countries can inspire patriotic zeal in saying we're going to get our own programs going. So, you know, that's certainly a possibility and we'll see how it all plays out. Yep. And we'll see. And I think we're going to hear about more of this when some of the funding, uh, some of the funding documents come out in the next month or two. So we can report on this and catch everybody up and, See what see what that plays out here. Welcome to 2017. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> it sure is. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.